Alright, I think this is finishing up the faith series. Is that correct, Tanner? No, you're still going to have more. Okay, this is a continuation of the faith series that Tanner's been preaching on. So, Alright, let's pray real quick. Uh, Lord, we just thank you today uh, for the opportunity to, to get into your presence and to hear your word. Uh, I just ask that you open hearts uh, to hear and listen and uh, take heed of your word. We thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, I want everybody to close their eyes for a moment. Uh, some of you might be going through a very difficult time right now, and some of you will go through a very difficult time in the future. So I want you all to take a moment and think about what you would do. Okay, you're going through this very difficult time, and during this time you have nowhere else to turn. You've exhausted all your resources. You've reached the end of your ropes. You spent time in prayer, and you're crying out to God day after day, Asking for your prayers to be answered. Day in and day out you pray. You don't hear God giving you the answers you want to hear. Then, when you finally reach the giving up point, you hear a smile in God's voice and He hands you a rock. And He says, I am with you. I want you to take a moment and think about this. What would you do? What have you done in the past? Would you get angry? Would you be concerned? Or would you have the faith that since God is the one who gave you the rock, then the rock must be all you need to overcome your battle? You're facing a huge giant in your life, whether that's sickness, sorrow, fear, insecurities, or all of the above. You have nowhere else to turn but to God or to give up. You've tried to do it on your own, like we often do with no success, and you're praying for that miracle and God hands you a rock and tells you that He is with you. Lord, I just ask that you open our hearts once again. God, help us uh, in that moment when you were needed most and you hand us a rock. God, I ask that you just give us the faith needed uh, to walk it out and to know that you are with us. And we thank you for that opportunity. All right, guys, you guys can open your eyes now. So I want you to keep that in the back of your mind as we continue on. I want you to think about situations in your past that you have faced, that you have made it through, and about what those situations have taught you. I want you to keep that in your mind and try to remember this the next time you face a trial or questions you don't have answers for. I'm going to tell you guys three small stories tonight about some people who were in the same situation. People who were under God's hand. So this first one that I'm going to tell you about is about a group of people whose king had given up. And because the king had given up and was living in fear, all the people that were under him were in fear as well. They felt like they had no hope. I'm sure every single one of you guys in here today has actually heard this story before. I'm, I'm taking a wild guess. And this first story takes place in 1 Samuel. I'm going to just go over a quick rundown of the backstory because we don't have time to go over the whole entire thing. Uh, but please, later, you guys, when you guys get home and you're bored and trying to figure out a good something to read in the Bible, this is an awesome story. I'm sure you've read it before. Maybe this will give you a new light on the story. Uh, so basically, King Saul and the Israelites are at war with the Philistines. Uh, and they were at a standstill when a giant named Goliath, who was over nine feet tall, he was completely decked out in armor from head to toe, and he would show up two times a day for 40 days, Okay. He would walk out, he would come out, he would mock God, and he would mock the Israelites. 
Uh, so basically, he ends up challenging them to send out their champion to fight him, basically to win the war. So it's like a winner-take-all kind of deal. And one day, David, the shepherd boy, he's the smallest and the youngest son in his family, is sent by his father to take food and to check on his brothers. While he's there, he hears Goliath shouting and making fun of the Israelites and Israel's God. And unlike the rest of the Israelite army, David sees this dude, and instead of being afraid, it actually makes David upset that no one has done anything. So all of Israelite's army, including King Saul, sees Goliath as an impossibility. When they look at him, they see him as a battle that cannot be won. They see a huge giant with no weak points in his armor standing in the way. That is all they can see. But David, David sees Goliath as something different. David sees an opportunity for God to move. David sees God, and he knows the Israelites are God's chosen people. He also knows that God is with him. And instead of seeing the giant like everyone else, David has faith and knows that his God is bigger. That the battle is not his, but God's. And that this giant Goliath stands in the way of God's promises. So let's go over it real quick. You can bring it up in your Bible if you want, or on your phones if you want, or I'll have it on the screen. Uh, we start in 1 Samuel 17, uh, verse 22. All right. So David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Verse 24, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He keeps coming out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. All right, most of you guys in here are too young, uh, except maybe Matt and Tanner. Um, but someday you'll understand this. I always like to put myself in the shoes of the people in the Bible. It just makes it more personable for me. So I put myself in David's shoes. And I'll be honest, I may not have the faith needed to face Goliath, but to hear that, what the king is offering, he says that he will make you rich, that he'll give you lots of wealth. Eh, I could take it and leave it. You know, my life is more important than wealth. I'll live another day. Then he says, hey, I'll give you my daughter. Again, there's a lot of fish in the sea. I can find another one. Not a big deal. But then to top it off, he says, you'll be exempt from taxes. <laughs> and your whole entire family is exempt from taxes. Now, I'll be honest. That may make me go get a sword and be like, dude, take me out there. I will fight this guy. Okay? So, real quick, let's reread verse 24. Okay? So it says, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So when they saw him, they fled from him. So what we see is that the Israelite army sees this guy and is terrified of him, and no one will fight him. No one is standing on God's promises. Instead, everyone believes what they see instead of what God has spoken. Then David shows up. This dude is here to deliver Subway sandwiches. Okay, to his brothers. He's never been in a war. The truth is, biblical scholars honestly think he was between the ages of 12 and 15 years old. 
So he's about the same age as my daughter. I don't know if you guys, any of you guys know my daughters, but yeah, he's a little different. <laughs> you know? So he has, in fact, faced battles in his past saving sheep, but he's not even there to fight this battle. He isn't even there to understand what's even going on in this war. He is there to deliver food and to report back to his dad. And what does David do? Instead, he says, no one talks about my God like that. This battle is God's, and he will give me what I need to defeat him. So after some hesitation, where King Saul is like, dude, there ain't no way this is going to happen. You're way too little. I don't care who you are. You are not fighting this guy. Finally, the king's like, you know what? It's your death wish, man. You go out there, and you go ahead and try to face him. So they try to suit him up. David says he can't handle that and just walks out there to stand in front of Goliath. And when he gets out there, as you would expect it to happen, Goliath sees David and laughs right in his face. Basically, and mocks Israel because this is who they sent out as their champion. But this 12 or 15-year-old kid isn't phased by the words at all. Instead, he says this as a retort. You want to swing over to 45 through 47. So David says, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the Israel or God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Okay, what guts this kid has. <laughs> I mean, he's standing in front of this giant guy, and this is his retort. There's no, I mean, maybe he had a little fear, but deep down, realistically, he knew who he was. He knew he was called by God. No one else would face him. So, in comes the subway delivery boy. The smallest one who had no frontline battle experiences. The one who was least expected to fight. The one with no sword or armor. Now, we obviously all know the rest of the story. David faces a Goliath with no armor, no sword, just a slingshot and a rock hitting him in the head, knocking him to the ground. And then to finish him off, he goes over and gets Goliath's sword and chops Goliath's own head off with his own sword. Now, this is a pretty awesome story because it gives us hope that even though we often sometimes see that things seem scary and impossible, that with God we have nothing to fear. Because you see that God had prepared David. This wasn't exactly his first rodeo. If you actually go back and read the backstory of David, this little subway delivery boy actually had God's favor on his life. Uh, being a shepherd, he faced down lions. He faced down a bear while protecting his flock. I mean, I'll be—I <laughs> mean, I'll be honest. I might rather face a Goliath than I would a bear. I mean, have you ever seen an angry grizzly bear on the Discovery Channel? I mean, when I was a kid, that was the one thing I was the most terrified of than anything else. So check out this next slide. Okay. So this is a grizzly bear standing on its hind legs. Interesting fact is the biggest ones stand at almost nine foot tall. Quite a coincidence there. Almost nine foot tall. So if that's a nine foot tall grizzly bear, you can imagine that Goliath was probably the same size as this thing. And that's probably about the size of David. I don't know. Just a wild guess. Although, you know, David probably faced a Siberian brown bear, which might not be exactly the same size as that, but... 
I still, that's a little scary. But God prepares and equips His chosen people. And the thing I want you to remember today is He also chose and prepares you. He also chose and prepares me. Just like David, we are highly favored by God. So point number one, if you guys want, it's up to you, but you can take your phones out and take a picture of this. These are just little points that I put in here today that I want you guys to remember. Um, so when you guys are going through or when that happens or if you're going through a trial, something that you can look back on and remember. So point one is God will equip you with what you need when you need it. So again, God will equip you with what you need when you need it. All right, so moving forward, story number two. Some of you guys were here last year when I talked about my testimony and over the hardest part of my life. How many of you guys were actually here last year when I spoke? All right, about half then. There was a time in my life that was really not that long ago where I lost pretty much everything that mattered to me. During that time, I contemplated suicide and about gave up. I truthfully could only see the giant in my life, but through the whole time, God gave me the faith I needed. The first time I spoke, which actually probably none of you guys except maybe Tanner was here and Matt, um, I actually talked about foundations, just like Tanner talked about a couple weeks ago, and about how we need to make sure our foundations were set on Christ, teaching that Christ has to be the main foundation or that everything around you will crumble. During my time, I actually discovered how my foundations were not built on Him. And when everything fell around me, even though I'd been a Christian my entire life, when everything fell around me, I looked back, and God actually showed me that my foundations were actually built on myself. That Christ was there, but He was a little piece, and my foundations were built on what I could do and what I can handle. He wasn't my primary foundation. The second time I spoke, my testimony last year, I talked about identity and how badly I struggled with my identity. It took my foundations to crumble all around me and for me to really find my perspective and my truth in my life until I understood who Christ had actually made me. I didn't know any of my identities. I actually saw myself as a failure, as worthless, and not good enough to be called his son, let alone his disciples. And in my mind, I was never good enough for him. I was never good enough for the people around me. So quick rundown for some of you that don't know my history. Quite a few years ago, I faced my Goliath. I went from being sick in the hospital with multiple surgeries to getting better only to have my wife of 16 years tell me that she was leaving me for someone else. I'd gotten into debt after having tons of money from online gambling, and I got into debt trying to live a lifestyle that I couldn't maintain. So I went from thinking that everything was perfect and awesome and amazing in my life to sick, divorced, and bankrupt in a matter of a year and a half. So maybe at some point in the future, again, I'll share you guys my testimony and how God has transformed and how amazing He is and what He's delivered me from and how He's changed my life. I mean, I was raised in the church. I believed in God my whole life, but He wasn't my foundation. And the truth is, as I was preparing to speak here tonight, trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about, I was praying and I felt God tell me to go back and read my journal entries during those couple years. Um, it was a coping mechanism for me to go and journal everything. And I'm, I had never really went back and looked at them until now. And I'll be honest, I didn't want to because I knew the emotions that it would bring up. 
But as I did, I began to see such an amazing thing. I was shown how through all my pain and sorrow, God began to build a strong foundation of faith, of trusting in Him and not in my own capabilities. It's easy now to look back and see how God brought me through what was an impossible situation to me. It didn't matter what I did. It didn't matter how hard I prayed. For over two years, I felt like He never gave me an answer that I wanted to hear anyway. I felt Him tell me that I needed to be steadfast. And I often felt His presence, and I felt Him smile at me and tell me that He loved me and that He was with me. I see now that God gave me a rock and that rock was my faith in Him. I had nothing else. I had lost pretty much everything. I had lost my whole family. I had lost my financial freedom. I only had faith left. And as I read through my journal entries, I could remember my pain and my fears and how I felt through that storm. I remember seeing <laughs> how everything it was around me and how I didn't see an option. I just like the Israelite army, I couldn't see anything on the other side. But I actually laugh now because I see how God was working all along. In those entries, I see my heart changing. For most of it, I was a big, angry, complaining crybaby all the time. And maybe for good reason. But day after day, my faith grew. And after it was all done, my faith was so much stronger. So as I was reading through these, I found two entries that I wanted to share with you guys. And again, these are personal entries, but I really think these get, this might help uplift you guys. Um, I felt they fit well because we all have battles we face, whether today, tomorrow, um, you're definitely going to face them. So this first entry that I wrote um, was a few months in to everything that was happening. The only thing that I modified in these entries was removing the name of my wife at the time. So if you want to go to the first one. All right, so this is my own personal entry from probably two months in after everything had kind of fallen apart. I said, it's been really frustrating the last couple of days. Satan has really been attacking me, and I've been letting him beat me. I feel pity for myself and anger towards everyone. I tried to talk to my wife today, and she was cold and mean. I hate her for putting me through this. I'm honestly sick of it. We are called to walk as Christ. But how can I do that when the people I love hate me? Is that what God is trying to teach me? I guess this is exactly what Christ did for us when we crucified Him. God, help me love you deeper. Help me know you more. Give me the peace to know that you are enough to replace my wife and family through the divorce. I need you more than ever right now. You are all that I have left. Without you, my life has no purpose, no meaning. Please, God, I need hope. I need tangible hope. Okay, so that was early on, and again, I still get emotional even thinking about it sometimes, but knowing what God has brought me through. So this next one I thought was perfect, and uh, this one took place, uh, I think, eight or nine months. It was towards the end of the first year, um, So, and this one really, really stood out for me. All right, so this one I said, where do I start? It's been a while since I wrote anything. I've been getting through the day just one day at a time. Or getting through just one day at a time. Every day is a battle. I'm learning every day to trust God more. But every day I deal with some new emotion. One day I'm angry. The next day I'm sad. The next I'm lonely. The next I'm excited. I'm still trying to understand what I did to deserve this. I'm a Christian, but I still make many mistakes in my life. I still fail every single day. So why should I expect different? 
Satan is awful, and he will do whatever he can to entice us away from our true purpose in this life. When life weighs down on us, we crumble and we fall into the devil's traps. Once again, instead of going to God, we go to our own selves and our own abilities and think we can resolve everything on our own. This is still a struggle in my life. I want things to go back to how they were. Where does that put me? I guess it puts me into just continuing to trust and have faith in every area of my life and to have Him lead me wherever I'm supposed to go. It's not going to be easy. In fact, it may be the hardest thing I've ever done and the hardest thing I will ever go through. I will continue to pray the battle is God's and God's alone. And I underline that part because that's, that part's the part that stood out to me. This last one actually caught me off guard. I, I don't remember writing these because I was in a disarray and it was quite a few years ago. But there it was, over a year into my battle, staring right into my face. And this last one, it's kind of cool to see, but I said the battle is God's and God's alone, um, just like David. God was with me even on the days I didn't feel Him, and God is with you even on the days you don't feel Him. I'll be honest, I struggled bad a lot of those days. Truthfully, most days. But my faith is what got me through. It is the only thing that got me through. And just like the song we sang a bit ago, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, He never stops working. I didn't feel it a lot of days. It took years, honestly, before I started to see things changed. I prayed a ton of, I prayed for a ton of stuff that never got answered the way I wanted them to at the time. And I'll be honest, in the end, I didn't get what I wanted at the time or what I was praying for. Instead, God gave me so much more because He knew what I needed. So note number two I always want you guys to remember is God draws near to the brokenhearted and He knows what you need. So God draws near to the brokenhearted and He knows what you need. All right, story number three. This is our last one before I close up tonight. Uh, if you want, you can turn over to Matthew 8.23, or again, I'll have it on the board. All right, so Matthew 8.23, he says, Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. <clears throat> Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith, why are you so afraid? He then got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I wanted to go over this last verse today. And just a reiteration before this, Jesus basically had been walking around with his disciples all day, healing the sick and teaching all the people. So at the end of the day, he's tired, they're all tired, they get on a boat and they leave. His disciples have been watching him do this all day long. So Jesus and his disciples are out on this boat when a really bad storm hits. And from the sounds of it, this isn't just a little storm. The waves were legit rolling over the side of the boat. I don't know, if have any of you guys seen uh, the crab fishing one on the Bering Sea? You know, at night where it's pitch black out. It's a really cool show if you haven't seen it. It'd be terrifying. That'd be the last thing on earth that I would ever do. So I like to picture that, that this is like that. Whether it was really that bad, I don't know. But to them, in a little tiny wooden boat, it was probably pretty terrifying, clearly, if they all thought they were going to die. 
So they're going through this storm, and Jesus is with them in the boat. They're all freaking out, thinking they're going to die. And where is Jesus? Oh, he's sleeping in the back of the boat. Just like I did when I was struggling, and probably like the Israelites did when they were facing the Philistines. We start crying out to God, Oh, save me. Do you not care? We are going to die. Do you not love me, God? Where are you, God? How can you be sleeping right now? I cannot hear you, God, etc., etc. And what did Jesus do? He says, Have a little faith, guys. I am with you. He then gets up and calms the storm. So, point number three that I want you guys to remember today as believers and followers of Jesus, we are in the same boat with him. As believers and followers of Jesus, we are in the same boat with him. So I heard a pastor say something profound the other day. It was the first time I'd ever heard this. He said, the enemy of faith is sight. And that really got me thinking, because I used to, in my mind, it was always the enemy of faith is unbelief. But he said, the enemy of faith is sight. And it got me thinking, and I was like, you know what? Any one of those soldiers or the king himself could have went out and faced Goliath and killed him and won the war. God had already given them everything they needed to win, but they were all too afraid because of what they saw instead of what God promised. David, on the other hand, saw the rock that God had given him and had the faith that what God said was true. He didn't believe what his eyes told him. He believed what God told him. So who do you guys relate with the most? Who do you guys want to be like? Do you believe what your eyes are telling you? Or what God is promising you. So during my difficult time, I felt more like the army. I felt like the disciples in the boat. Just like David, God has built my faith so that hopefully the next time I'm faced with a giant, I will be more like him. So my last point to remember is this. Faith isn't an act of obedience. It's an act of surrender. Faith isn't an act of obedience. It's an act of surrender. And these are all biblical-based. Again, I didn't put verses up for the sake of time, but if you guys are curious, you can go back and find anything in the Bible that go along with these. So it's faith is surrendering your life to the one who has a plan and a purpose for your life to give you hope and purpose. It's surrendering to the one who has known you since the moment you were conceived. It's surrendering your life to the one who knows everything before it even happens. And just like with David, God gave me my rock. He gave me my tools needed to face my giant. He was growing my faith even when I couldn't feel him moving. Even though I had no idea what I was supposed to do with the rock he gave me, and just like the disciples, he has chosen us. He is always with us in the boat, even when the boat feels like it's going under. So if God gives you a rock today, what are you going to do with it?